Welcome to Any Way You Want It. I'm your host, Kaylin McDuff. I'm an LA-based coach for women who want to create lives based on desire. Here on the show, we like to have real conversations about sex, relationships, and life through talks with everyday people, experts, friends, and everything in between, I give you a plethora of options, different relationship models, new mindsets, perspectives, and paradigms. Listen for what sounds interesting to you and follow that. This is just the beginning of you having a life designed entirely from the specificity of your desire. Hi, everybody. Um, So I am here today um, with one of my good friends, Amy Batuski. Hi, Amy. Hello, hello. (laughs) (laughs) And um, Amy, um, she's an intimacy coach. Um, She works with women around their desire. Um, She and I uh, were roommates for a period of time. Um, and she leads a company called Desire on Fire, um, which started as retreats, but now it's just expanded to everything um, desire in pandemic times. Um, and usually Amy is based in Los Angeles here with me, um, but the pandemic has taken her to Bali. <laughs> um, <That's> right. <laughs> yeah. So, um, for for one of my initial episodes, I I realized I, I had a desire um, to share my story and you know some of the things that I don't think I've ever shared with the world, especially about my journey with my body and my sexuality. And um, Amy is the first person who came to mind because she has literally been there um, from the beginning, really, of this journey for me. And um, and so I'm just so honored and grateful to have you here today um, to interview me. (laughs) Oh, my God. Well... I just got chills because it's my honor. It, I'm so grateful to have been asked by you. I feel, yeah, I'm like, wow, what a what a privilege to get to interview Kaylin for her first podcast interview about her. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> and I love talking about you and I love, you know, digging into your story. So what a joy to be able to do this and have it recorded to share with the world. Yeah, yeah. So good. Oh, well, um, where should we start? I I actually, well, you know, I want to share with people my first memory with you. Perfect. (laughs) I think that's a great place to start. (laughs) That, um, that really kind of like just set the tone for my whole journey, you know, and then I think I'll let you um, take it away from there. Uh, So Amy came into my life path. Um, when I had started, um, like basically I had looked at my sexuality and I was like, what is going on here? Um, I, you know, we'll go more into that, but basically that whole conversation led me into an orgasmic meditation class. Um, which we can also dive deeper into. Um, But I remember like, I just had this like deeply awakening experience um, going to this class. And 
Um, you know, I basically said yes. You know, at the end of the course, they're like, okay, if you want to go deeper, you know, we've got some offerings, we've got some programs. And I just said yes to everything. I was just like this, there is something here. I feel terrified and turned on and excited and a little messed up. And like, I'm such a yes. And, um, and I remember, you know, I, I guess I think I, yeah, I spent like $14,000 that day. Um, and I freaked out two days later. <laughs> As as one does after spending $14,000 on sexuality classes. (laughs) And um, on the other end of the phone was Amy. We were connected via one of our other friends. And the reason she connected us was because we both had, and we had a similar background. Um, you know, we had both gone to coaching programs and like had had a foundation of that. And, you know, look, we're both a little bit, um, you know, kind of like a get shit done kind of a mentality that we had been living in. And so we bonded over that. And Amy was the other voice, on, like the voice on the other end of the line saying like, yes, it's totally fine. You're freaking out about spending $14,000 on your clitoris. And I'm like here for it. Um, so yeah, I don't know what your recollection is of that, uh, of that phone call, Amy, <laughs> but it is like seriously one of the most, like it's like a pivotal moment in my journey that I will never forget. Yep. Yeah, totally. Well, I'm happy to share my recollection. Um, Well, first of all, I remember feeling really excited and honored to have even gotten the phone call. It feels similar to this feeling where it's like I'm being let in to someone's intimate journey with their transformation. And especially around sexuality, it's really intimate. It's really vulnerable. And to be on the phone with you and, and our mutual friend that you referenced, Ellie, we we're all on the phone talking and you're just sharing. I'm so scared. I'm, it feels right, but I'm terrified. Did I just make a huge mistake? And I think that's a really common experience, right? For, for women, especially, you know, in the work that you and I both do now, it's like, wait, I'm investing this much money into my growth and healing around sex. Are you sure? And so you were terrified, understandably. And the thing that I remember how even though you were scared, you were also really lit up. Like throughout the conversation, you're like, oh my God, this is crazy. <laughs> like, but there was excitement to it. There was excitement and terror. And I think, you know, two sides of the same coin. It's like our fear and our turn on. And you were so excited. And I just got to reassure you, like I felt just as crazy. I felt just <laughs> as terrified when I signed up for this coaching program that you had just committed to. And you're not crazy you've made a great decision for yourself. And I'm so excited to see what happens. And I think you really just needed sisterhood support, which ultimately ended up being a huge part of your journey, which you now teach about, um, is the importance of sisterhood and not just women's support, but support from women who actually are doing similar work or on a similar path of awakening. And so that was like the first example of that, that you had reaching out, leaning on sisters around this topic of sexual awakening when it was so terrifying and it gave you the reassurance and, and love that you needed, the approval that you needed to just take off. <laughs> and, and boy, yeah. did you. <laughs> Oh my, well, and I remember like this really was, um, just like you said, one of the first memories I have of like what it's like to receive deep, 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 deep approval from another woman around my sexuality, not like a surface level, like, Oh yeah. Like this was like, 
I could feel it like in my heart and my soul and my bones, you know, hundred percent. And I, I could, I could too. And, and I think that's when you're really in resonance with an experience or with other people, you can feel it that deeply. And I think it's really telling that you could feel it that deeply, even before you began to thaw out, which we'll talk about, but we were, (laughs) you said it really you said it really lightly or really politely <laughs> while you were just talking about us. You're like, yeah, we, we're, we're get shit done kind of women, which is true. But I was going to say we were high strung. <laughs> we were like neurotic, <laughs> uptight, um, controlling bitches. You know? Yeah. Okay. I'm over yeah. here like, uh, I would use I some different that. words to explain us, but you said it really yeah. nicely. <laughs> um, oh God. So, <laughs> okay, so yeah, it, it's, it's perfect. Right. I mean, it's true. And, and now we're way more relaxed and of course we still have our moments, but we're, we're way more relaxed and flexible because we can flow with things, which I think is part of being more connected to our feminine energy, which we can talk about. So, so we got a lot to, we have a lot to cover in in talking about you and your journey and where it went from that terrifying day of spending, you know, $14,000 on your growth and your basically on your clitoris. And then, and then how did you get here? (laughs) So, so let's guide us through it. I would love to hear just a little bit about how you were before. So what did your life look like? You know, what were you doing? You were already coaching, but how did your life look? Yeah. Well, so, um, at that point in time, um, I had been coaching for a couple of years at that point. And I think I had, I had just left my corporate job at LinkedIn. Um, You know, LinkedIn was a company I loved. And then, um, you know, I just realized I was like, Oh wait, I'm like building someone else's dream here. And, um, and I really stepped into being an entrepreneur Um, so yeah, I had left my job and, you know, over replaced my salary and like filled my coaching practice. And, you know, I had this gorgeous, I always talk about, you know, my gorgeous Pinterest like apartment in Brooklyn. Um, and, and really like I was looking around my life and, you know, and it was like, it was good. Like I, you know, I had good friendships and, you know, like I was, I was already inside of work that was like opening my heart. Um, you know, so I want to like, certainly my life was not a disaster. It was actually (laughs) like, well, and I think this is a really important, a really important thing to, to touch on because I think people often come to transformational work thinking like, oh, I only need it if my life is in shambles. Yeah. And really it's it, the opposite is often true. And it was for both of us, you know, and you had such yeah. a successful life and you were making a lot of money. You had a beautiful apartment. Um, and yet something was missing and yeah. we're going to get into that, but it, it looked really good on the outside and, and often on the inside as well, definitely inside your apartment. Um, that's for <laughs> sure, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but not necessarily, you know, in, inside your body. So what I want to know about that time in your life before we talk about how it is now is what motivated you then? You know, now I know yeah. you live a desire-led life, but what was leading your life at that time? Yeah, I mean, it was um it, it was like I was like seeking after something that I was like never going to get. Like it was almost like I didn't even know. It's like, okay, um, achieve more, make more money. Um, 
you know, there was still a lot of people pleasing in my space, you know, like doing the thing that like looked good. And, and, you know, I, I had kind of built my life around being a good girl. Right. And obviously the adult version of that looks different than when you're like eight years old. Um, but really, like, it was like, oh, wow, Kaylin, you know, she's just she's just a good person. Um, and and it was my career, you know, it, it shifted, you know, obviously when I became an entrepreneur. Right. Like that was me standing for myself. But there was still something that was a little bit performancy about it. Like I was like trying to um, trying to prove something. And. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't like, I I think I had to go through that moment of being like, wait, hold on. I just created everything that I said I would create. And now, wait, what? Isn't there like more to this? Like what's happening with my sexuality? (laughs) Right. Right. And we're not taught to, to look there, right? What we're, what we're conditioned to, to have drive us is accomplishments and things and money, right. And status. And so I think you like checked, you checked all the, all the marks for, for that, all the boxes, but you didn't necessarily have the rest, which isn't really talked about in our culture, which is why we're talking about it. Right. But we didn't have, I don't think you had a lot of role models for sexually liberated, you know, women in their feminine energy connecting to their bodies (laughs) and living from a, from flow. Right. That yeah. wasn't what you were had as your. I'm assuming because I, I, I haven't heard about those role models pre this work. <laughs> yeah, and it's you know in New York. I mean, this is the world. But then if you you know just look at the fact that I was living in New York. You know, you work your career in New York, and like I remember when I first could afford to live alone. You know, it was like, a, uh, like wow, I've really made it. Like we place so much meaning in that. Just, you know, anything like that. Oh, I can like buy the fancy bag or whatever the thing is. And, you know, I just started to realize, I was like, oh yeah, okay. No, no, no. That's not the thing I'm seeking. (laughs) Something's missing. (laughs) Yeah. So I want to know what had you walk through the door in the first place to that sexuality workshop that you went to that that then started this whole exploration. And, you know, I I think often it's something that's really not working because it is pretty scary to go into it, walk into a room like that. For me, it was like my relationships with men were complete shit, even though the rest of my life looked great. So what was it for you that had you walk through the door in the first place around your relationships with men or your sex or your relationship to your body? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I love that the, uh, you know, we say you can either come to this from inspiration or desperation. Um, right. And <laughs> for me, it was definitely desperation. <laughs> um, <laughs> me too. <laughs> like, let's just be real. Um, so I had, you know, wait, how old was I? So I'm almost 36 now. So I guess I was like, 32. And I had never had an orgasm. Mm. (sighs) Wow. And I thought, you know, like I, I deeply thought that there was something wrong with me. Like there was so much apology in my space. 
you know, like I would uh, meet a man and end up having sex with him. And then I'm like, Oh, I'm not, you know, I'm not having an orgasm. And I'm like, don't, you know, don't worry. It's not you. It's me. It's, you know, there was so much apology in my space. And, um, and, and really what I know now is that like my body was just frozen, like my capacity to feel sensation in my body, like it was being blocked by so much shame, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think people really realize that that's the case, right? That we are numb or desensitized because of the amount of shame that we have. So it's right. big that you were able to recognize that down, down the line, not at the time. Yeah. At the time I was just like, I heard orgasmic meditation and I was like, I'm sorry, what, what is that? <laughs> I was like, sign me up immediately, you know, without You're like, worry. I don't know what that is, but I probably need it. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I'm like, I was just so game for anything, you know? And, and like, I had been reading books and like, trying different techniques to masturbate and, you know, all of these things. And it's like, no, I actually like needed support to learn how to receive, you know? And that's the thing I was just completely blind to. Yeah. So beautiful that you eventually recognize that and have done so much around learning to receive now. So let's get into that. So that, so it was the desperation around not, not being able to orgasm, not being able to have a climax and the shame that you were holding around your, your orgasm and your sexuality that got you into the first workshop. Then you, then you dove in right? So you signed up for this coaching program, you started taking retreats, you started getting coaching around your sexuality and and intimacy. And so how did it begin to evolve? What what began to happen in your sex and in your life from there? Yeah. Well, you know, I think one of the first things that I noticed was how hungry I was. (laughs) You know, like once you open this door of like getting the nutrients that your body wants. And by nutrients, I just mean like, you know, physical touch and like touch that you can open to and, and really receive, you know, um, and the nutrient of being inside of sisterhood and being with women who really backed me, you know, like I was just filling up a lot, you know, I would, um, like, for, especially at the beginning, um, you know, I was practicing, you know, orgasmic meditation, you know, every morning at like 7am, you know, I had a practice partner, he would come over, um, and, and, you know, we would practice and then he would leave. And, um, you know, it, I just like started to feel my body, you know, like, For the first time, I was like, oh, it was like waking up my genitals. (laughs) Wow. So so for context for those listening, I think we should give some context about what orgasmic meditation is. So do you want to explain the practice? Just a a short version so people kind of know what's going on. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I was just thinking about that. Um, So orgasmic meditation is a... It's a practice. So it's not, uh, it has the word orgasm in it, um, but it is not the same thing as sex. It is really, it's a practice like, you know, you would do yoga or a writing practice. 
Um, just it involves your genitals. Um, so the goal of orgasmic meditation is to just simply um, feel sensation, connect um, with no goal, and really um, find uh, find like a, a resonance between yourself and the person that you're practicing with. So um, there's a stroker and a strokey. So the person with the clitoris has um, is the strokey, and then the stroker could be uh, could be a man, you know, or a woman. And uh, the stroker strokes your clitoris for 15 minutes. Um, you wear gloves. You know, there's like a whole set of protocols in place. Um, so that the woman can really um, relax and surrender and, and can feel safe doing so. So that, you know, when you agree to like, I'm going to practice this, um, it's, you know, what you're saying yes to, and you can trust that the other person is on the same page. Um, it's also not commerce based, you know, like I, whenever I tell people about this, they're like, how much do you have to pay to like have a stroker come over? <laughs> um, right. And, and, or when do you stroke them back? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Yes. Yeah. So I think, yeah. And, and for those listening, I mean, some people might be like, that sounds great. <laughs> Sign me up. And to other people, it might be like, that sounds terrifying and awful. I mean, that was definitely me when I heard about the practice. I was like, I'm not touching that thing with a 10 foot pole. No way I'm opening my legs and being stroked by someone with gloves and lubricant for 15 minutes. Like that, it was also terrifying to me. So I just wanted to acknowledge right. that for those Normalize listening, that. you can have any, yeah. right. Any reaction is completely normal. And that it's been one of many tools on your awakening journey right. that has made a, a massive difference in sensitizing your body, connecting to your genitals and having you be more connected to the sensations in your body that you feel every day. So I'm simplifying it. It is not simple. Yeah, it's exactly. profound. It's profound. <laughs> yeah. But we're to, to simplify it just for the sake of this conversation, it it really is it it became normal. It, it was normalized for you and for me as we both practiced this this practice because it doesn't seem normal in our culture because of the way that genitals, sexuality, and anything to do with pleasure is shamed. And so when we got to eliminate the shame and, and heal the shame around anything like this, it's like, oh, seems 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 wonderful. Why not? Let's do that. Right. Why, why do we have all these other partnered practices and things that we do as couples and with other people, but then we, this isn't, this isn't normal. And so we got to have that normalized, which then normalized so many other things in the realm of sexuality for us. Right. Yeah, totally. I mean, if you can just like, uh, make it normal, it's like, Oh, I'm just gonna take off my pants. I know what's going to happen here you know, like genitals are a normal, beautiful thing. Um, that yeah. is incredibly healing. It really is. It really is. And to, and to just be able to, to embrace our genitals and to embrace the part of you that is completely shamed and, and, you know, rejected by our culture, that alone is value enough to have done this practice and to continue practicing this, but you got so much more. And, and I mean, we use, I use the word pussy. If you haven't read the book, pussy <laughs> reclamation, I recommend it. Cause for those who have a reaction to the word pussy, I understand, but you know, to, to be able to embrace and love and, and, and just be okay with your pussy alone is like 
massively transformation, tra- massively transformational for most women. So oh, yeah. that just that just started you off. So I want to, because we can keep talking about pussy and orgasmic meditation and genitals all day, but, um, (laughs) which we, which we really will if, if people let us, um, let's keep going. So, so where did it take you as you started to listen to your body and you were thawing out and you're connecting to your pussy and your pleasure and you're really starting to honor what's going on in your body that you're, and all the things you're feeling. Yeah. how did this evolve? What did, how did your life change? And, and really I want you to, I'd love to hear about where you started listening to your desires over what you felt obligated to do or what you felt would have you achieve the most. Yeah. It, um, I mean, I would say within a few months of just starting to be able to feel my body more, it it just like unlocked everything. I was like, oh my gosh, I can't even believe like how clearly I can see. And um, and really like all the stuff about like it has to be done this way or do it for this person, like all of that stuff just started to peel away. And I just started noticing my desire, you know, and noticing all the places too, like you said, where, you know, I had like compensatory desire, like the desires that I, you know, all of the shoulds, like, well, I should go to that wedding or I should do this thing. You know, I just remember, um, like being able to talk to other women on this path and be like, Oh wait, hold on. No, I don't have a desire for that, but I do have a desire for this. And, you know, practicing like just the following sensation, you know? Um, and even just looking outside of my preferences, you know, cause that's the thing about desire is that it's just like, it doesn't really care about your preferences. So I'd be like, oh, wow, I notice I'm attracted to that man and his energy. And I would like to have sex with him. But like all the voices in my head of like, no, 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 like he doesn't have a good job or he doesn't, you know, like whatever all the stories we tell ourselves. Um, Just moving past that and being like, oh, wait, hold on. This is my desire. I am going to have sex with that person or, or whatever, you know. I'm not going to go to that wedding uh, because I don't have a desire for it. doesn't mean I don't love the person. doesn't mean I don't want to celebrate them. just means like I'm noticing where my desire lies and how I can like take good care of myself, you know? Yeah. And that's so huge because it, it really is revolutionary to be living that way. I mean, as you're speaking, I'm just really present to the fact that you have to break through your people-pleasing tendencies in order to live a desire-led life because people aren't going to be pleased when you start saying no to things, right? When you start, um, you know, traveling in all sorts of places when other people have a judgment about that or, you know, investing money in yourself or saying no to going to weddings or changing plans, people aren't going to be pleased. Right. And so you really had to start breaking through your people pleasing codependent patterns in order to live this life, which had you become a whole different level of sovereign woman of independent self-loving woman. Yeah, totally. And, and like dropping that voice that's, I mean, oh, that just kills your desire though. Like this doesn't make sense or this isn't logical. You know, sometimes desire just doesn't make sense. 
<laughs> a lot of times it does. Like, <laughs> a lot of times I find myself, wait, that doesn't make any sense. But like, like uh, for example, I mean, I, I just give, it, yeah. it doesn't make sense. I mean, I staying in a third world country during a global pandemic doesn't make sense when the medical care is not ideal. Oh. Right. Oh. And I was like, it doesn't make sense. And my desire is to stay and look at, I'm probably in the best place in the world during this pandemic. Right. So totally. that's an example of, of not having it not make sense. And I would also love to hear from you about your move to California, <laughs> because yeah. I would say that's one that really didn't make sense. Right. Oh and, and tell us about that and how you got to LA. Oh yeah. Well, funny that you're here. Uh, so fast forward, I guess, you know, maybe it was about a year into this work, you know, and at this point, like I had started, you know, having orgasms and really could just feel so much in my body. Um, and that wasn't even the thing I was most grateful for, you know, it's just like that the orgasm specifically. You know, it was just that like, oh my gosh, I have access to this dynamic life and I get to feel so deeply and feel my body in, in ways that like I've never felt. Um, so, so anyways, fast forward, you know, about a year or so into this work, like I was sitting in my Brooklyn apartment at the Pinterest one, you know, you know, the one and oh, uh, I know it well. <laughs> yeah. And I just, I had this desire to live in community, you know, like I was like, wow, I've, I've gone deep into this practice. I'm getting like this really nourishing connection in my life, you know, and for months I had like seen visions of like living in community and, and I didn't know how that was going to show up, but I was just sitting with it. And then it came time to decide if I was going to renew my lease. And I just could not renew that thing. And the Kaylin of, you know, two, three years before that would have said, oh, we got to have a plan if we're not renewing our lease, you know, like got to have it all buttoned up and know exactly what you're doing. But I just said, you know what? I just know that I'm a no to continuing to live here alone. And, and I don't know, like, I, I don't know, I, like I'll figure it out. I don't know where I'm going. I had a month to figure this out. And um, then, you know, my pal, Amy Batuski calls me. (laughs) Hey, so we're building a a community house in LA. Um, Do you want to come join, you know, come create this with us? And, you know, it was Amy and then a few of, you know, our other common friends. And I was just so blown away by this. I was like, you have to be kidding me. Like I just told my landlord I'm moving out, you know, and I, and I had a freak out and it felt, you know, honestly, I could have said yes, right in the moment. I just knew I was such a yes, but I did take a little bit of time to like feel into it and really take a look at it. But I just knew like when I start, when I kick into like, figuring things out, looking at logistics, like, Oh, what are, what are business taxes like in California? And, you know, things like that. I know I have desire for something. <laughs> so totally. You know, I was like, okay. <laughs> it's like your feet, your feet are moving towards it. Even if your mouth hasn't said yes. <laughs> yeah. I remember talking to my mom and then like running this idea by her, you know, and the people you love in your life, they're just a reflection of where you are with something. 
And uh, so I remember my mom, I got off the phone with my mom after I first told her about the idea. And she was like, okay, well, feels like you're moving to California. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing mom, amazing mom. Yeah. And, you know, my boyfriend at the time had, uh, I think he had even told his family like, oh, Caitlin's moving to California before I had even really officially said it was happening. You know, like it was already in motion. Um, But yeah, I had to break through the idea of like, okay, New York was my identity for 11 years. Living alone was my identity. It was like an accomplishment that, you know, that, that like I was gripping onto, Um, you know, just all of the things that made sense. My business, I built it in New York. That was where my community and my network was. You know, so there are plenty of things, reasons why this didn't make sense. And yet, like, totally, every, everything in my body was just a yes to it. Amazing. Well, I remember that day, that phone call and your excitement about it. And I think, you know, this is such a great example. It's a perfect example of how you began to trust desire. You began to, you know, you were like, you know what? I'm a no to living in this house. I know I have a desire for community, but you trusted the desire versus trusting the outcome of how you were going to get there. Right. And so I think that's, what's so important here to emphasize is is desire doesn't always come in a specific, in a, in a vision of how it's going to look. It comes Mm -hmm. in in like a feeling that you want to have. It comes in a feeling that you want to have, or it comes in a, an experience that you want to have that you don't know exactly how it's going to come to fruition. And so that's what you had. So that you're explaining so beautifully here is like, I knew I wanted to live in community. I knew I didn't want to live in this place anymore. And then I just let, gave the rest over to the universe to figure out. And, and that's a big part of this too, is like your journey of spirituality and, and starting to trust something greater than you to help with these desires, (laughs) right? Like not just because before I think you were so like, I'm in control. I have to do things myself. I have to create my life. I have to create the outcomes. And with you starting to, to trust desire, you, you, you automatically started to trust like a greater flow, so to speak, you know, of the universe to help you fulfill those things, which happened so beautifully with the LA move. Right. Yeah. Totally. Totally. Um, so, so I want to know, I want to know you, you, I mean, I just, I just touched on a lot of different things around, you know, your desire and, and how you started to trust more both yourself and, and, and the whole journey that you were on. So you uh, make the move to LA. We're going to fast forward a little bit. You make the move to forward. LA. <laughs> yeah. And you, we move into a house together, a beautiful mansion in LA where we're living in community. And that was a ride. I mean, we could have a oh whole podcast my episode just about living together. <laughs> our, our therapist, we have a we have a common therapist between and, or at the time, and and yeah. she was like, "Well, this is you guys have really chosen a hardcore adventure <laughs> right. for learning and wake up and discovery." And yep, <laughs> really, like, yeah, we're pretty hardcore. So, um, so I want to hear about uh, what happened as you continue to evolve in living in community? And then where did your sexuality journey take you from there? Yeah. Um, 
So, oh my gosh, living in community, such a ride for someone, you know, I had been in New York in my, like living in my own space for eight years. Um, and so like letting other people in, like really letting them in to see me just in like, you know, in all of my humanity, like that was a really new experience, you know, to be like living with people in that way and just being raw and real and like available, you know? Yeah. Um, so <laughs> I think it's you know, so <laughs> crazy to most people. It's like, wait, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> Going from living yeah. alone for eight years to being available and connected to many people out every day is, is pretty dramatic. Yeah. So, you know, I had that going on. Um, and then, you know, at the same time, um, one of my best friends, um, in New York, uh, she, who we also met through orgasmic meditation, um, she had started on a path, um, exploring being a submissive. And for those of you who are like, wait, like what, what does that mean? Um, so 50 shades of gray is like the popular like popularized version of this. Um and right. and I I kind of hate having that as a reference point. Um but sometimes it's like the thing that people have heard of. Um so I always just, you know, use it as my real world example. Uh so anyways, but yeah, my friend um Agnes had uh started exploring that path and yeah, I just saw this like beautiful thing coming out of her. And I was like, okay, like, I think I want to check this out. Like, what is this all about? So I started, um, I started studying with a teacher in New York. Um, his name's Om Rupani. And, um, and really like that whole journey of, you know, of, of just exploring, um, like, you know, humiliation and objectification and like all of these taboo things. Um, it was like this whole world opened for me. Um, and, and it was also like a huge ego death, you know, to really like go into that work. Um, it's, it's humbling. And so, you know, I went from, and it's, it's also like, it is, it is a full life thing, you know, like it is, uh, how do I want to explain this? Um, it's like, if you're willing to fully give up control, you know, in your sexuality, like you can do it in your life too. And so that, that was like the biggest shift I think that I was making while I, you know, was living in the mansion with you is, uh, it's just exploring yeah. that, that this whole identity, this whole, like, you know, archetype that was living inside of me this whole time that like, I didn't even know was there. Yeah. And it was so beautiful to watch you embrace this archetype and, and to embrace, you know, what submission looks like and how you can incorporate submission into your life when, you know, it, it was so dramatic and so drastic compared to the life that you were living before, which was so controlling, yeah. right? It was like, I need to control everything. I need to handle everything. I need to be in charge of everything. And so I can totally get the appeal of being able to, to step into a 
dominant and submissive dynamic with someone where you get to be the submissive because then you don't have to be in charge. Then you don't have to control everything. And you actually get to be guided and held by somebody else. And I think there's a lot of stigma around kink and BDSM and you know dominant and submission uh, play. And I think it's because people just don't understand it, right? I'll speak for myself that I really didn't understand it a few years ago until I started learning about it. And really there's so much opportunity for, for connection and surrender and peace. And like you said, ego yeah. death to, to get out of your controlling patterns and egoic patterns to actually get to feel something completely different. So what are some of the, what are some of the beautiful things that, that have come out of your, you know, kink play or submissive play with people in your life? And yeah, I think it's, um, it has just had me bring so much more reverence to relationships. Like, Really, because honestly, the thing about a great, like, you know, dominant and submissive um, relationship is that it's really, it's really just great relating skills. <laughs> and, you know, from the outside, people can see, like, it's like, seems like, oh, it might just be like whips and chains and whatever. But it's like underneath all of that, it's actually just, um, I think, like the highest form of, of man woman relating that there is. And so there's just like a level of reverence that I learned um, through practicing BDSM and um, like really appreciating a man for his leadership and his masculinity and his support and his holding, you know, and, and having like grace about that. You know, like a great submissive brings, uh, like pours out grace and like, you know, look at your own life, where in your own life could you not benefit from grace? <laughs> like, training <again. laughs> right, right. Everywhere. And, um, and then, you know, also just like clear communication so there's no, like in BDSM, it's not like, oh, maybe I'm okay with a, you know, a spanking or whatever the thing is. It's like, no, you are either a yes or you are a no. <laughs> there is no in between and you have to be clear. And so that obviously translates everywhere in life, right? So I just got to, I just have, you know, in this practice, like, gotten to see where like I in the past would have been unclear on something because I wanted to please people. And now I'm just like, okay, I'm a yes to that. I'm a no to that. And being willing to accept that fully, you know? Um, and it's, yeah, the communication. Oh my gosh. Um, just, uh, yeah. Like I said, bringing reverence to it, bringing clarity to it, and really pouring out, yeah, gratitude um, for for all of the beautiful masculinity that like I've called into my life. It's so beautiful. 
It's so beautiful. And I think, you know, one of the things that I want to reflect here is, is the level of permission, the level of approval that you've gained for yourself, which really is one of the biggest things that makes you such an amazing coach. And especially coaching around these taboo topics, right? Talking about kink, talking about sex, talking about orgasm. And ultimately the most important thing when teaching or coaching around these topics is approval, right? People need to feel safe to talk about their taboo desires or talk about the things that they want that other people might not be pleased about, right? So you, you just, you bring so much approval and have gotten to give and give that to yourself that you bring that that so beautifully to the, to the people that you work with, the people in your life. And the one other thing I wanted to reflect here is how profound it is the relationship that you've developed with masculine energy in your life and the men in your life through your BDSM experiences that have you get to be in a whole new level and energy of your feminine. Um, and it's, it's just so, it's so gorgeous to witness. So Mm -hmm. just wanted to acknowledge that and, and the level of work that it takes to, to access that grace and that gratitude. Mm, Thank you so much. (laughs) I really, I really receive that. Um, and you know, I think, uh, one of the things that I'm so committed to creating, um, as part of this podcast is just, you know, bringing a level of approval to people, you know, whatever, like wherever you are in your journey. um, That's the thing I want people to get is like, A, wherever you are is totally great and more than fine. (laughs) And B, like there's so many different avenues, you know, like you and I have had a specific path that we've each followed you know, and many times our paths have, have, um, you know, we've been on the, on the same journey, you know, and it's like, there's so much out there and, you know, I want people to be able to find their own path and like have approval for following whatever path that is, you know? Yeah. And their own yeses and nos, right? Yeah. Ultimately, that's what it's all about. Their own yeses and nos around their desires. Yes. So amazing. Amazing. Okay. Well, we could keep going forever. I feel like this is a, a beautiful and, you know, electric place to stop. I think this is a good place to, to end the conversation. And I think everyone is going to be in a different place right now who's listening, right? Some people are going to be like, what the hell did we just talk about? And where do we just go? What's BDSM, right? And other people are like, sign me up for whatever Kaylin's talking about. <laughs> so it, the, the point here is we, we like to talk about chargy topics, topics that are uncomfortable or unusual to just bring approval and permission for wherever anyone is and wherever they want to go and that it can all be talked about here. And they don't have to want all of this. They don't have to want any of it to listen and gain some approval for themselves. So I think this is this is a great start to be, you know, revealing your journey. There's so much more that you'll get to reveal throughout your podcast episodes. Yeah. Um, but I just want to say thank you for bringing me in to interview you. Oh my gosh, Amy, thank you. Um, it's yeah, I just can't imagine anyone who is more um, just more qualified or more resonant than you you to be in this conversation with me. Um, so thank you so much. I, I really deeply, I just appreciate you as, as a sister on this path, first and foremost. 
Um, and I'm just in complete awe of the difference that you are making for women in the world. Mm, thank <laughs> you. I received that. You are so welcome. And, um, and uh, tell the people how they can find you um, if they want to get a hold of you and follow your stuff. Amazing. Well, I am most active on Instagram. So you can follow me at Amy Batuski and my company Instagram is at desire on fire. And my website is just amybatuski.com. So that's the best place. And I have a Facebook community called the desire on fire community. So hopefully you can add those to the show notes and you can stay in touch that way. Yep. We will add that all in. Awesome. Perfect. Thanks, Amy. Thank you, Kaylin. Bye, everybody. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening in today. If you got something from this episode, please share it with someone in your life and pop on over to iTunes to give us a five-star review. I'm so committed to more people custom creating their sex, relationships, and lives from desire. And this podcast is a big part of that. If you have ideas for the show or want to learn more about working with me as a coach, head on over to my Instagram at Kaylin McDuff or my website, kaylinmcduff.com. See you next time.